if you'd stay standing for just a moment for this evening's scripture reading from the Gospel according to Matthew chapter 1, verses 21 through 23. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. It's perhaps ironic to read a passage from the first chapter of Matthew when the events of this weekend that we are remembering come or told to us or recounted for us in the latter chapters of Matthew. I suppose it's a... um, it's the preacher's prerogative there. When it's Christmas, we want to look at like the, the end of the story to know why this baby came. And when it's Easter, we want to look at the beginning of the story to find out how this whole thing started. Uh, so that's what I'm doing this evening from Matthew chapter 1. You know, in Matthew's telling of the life of Jesus, before we even meet Jesus, we're told about an angel appearing to a man called Joseph telling him that his fiancée's pregnancy is not a result of immorality, but divine favor conceived by the Holy Spirit. God has chosen her to be the mother of the Messiah, the anointed one, the chosen one. And the angel shows up to tell Joseph, God has chosen you to be the father. And then the angel has more to say about Mary. It says, she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. So this child in Mary's womb will be a boy, is a boy, and they will name him Jesus, or in Hebrew, uh, Joshua. It's a name that means God saves. Yahweh is salvation. Now, why make this point? Why point out that the the boy's name, Joshua, Yeshua, or Jesus in Greek, means God saves? Well, because the angel says he will save his people from their sins. Now, to us, that that makes sense. That's the way the story goes. That's the way we've always heard it. It's what we're used to hearing. But the first readers, uh, if they were from the same Jewish background that Jesus was, uh, hearing this story for the first time would have heard about a Messiah, an anointed one, a Mashiach, and would know he would save his people, yes, but from their sins. That part's not expected. He will save his people. He will deliver Israel, which is under another exile, under political oppression from Rome. This Messiah, this anointed one, yes, he will save his people from being enslaved to a ruling imperial power that prevented them from worshiping God and obeying him alone. And this leader, this Messiah, would save his people by being a conquering leader, by the force of his own will and the power of his own personality. He would be a new king, one whose life embodied everything it meant to live by God's law, and whose leadership would inspire the Jewish people to new heights of commitment and fidelity to the covenant that they have with God. There were some people, sure, there there were a few, and there were a few places you could go to in in the Hebrew Scriptures to read this. Some people saying that the Jewish people, 
all people really, needed to be saved from their sins, but that's a minor issue that's lower down on the list compared to more pressing concerns. Israel needed to be free to worship how God had called them to. They didn't need to be forgiven. They needed to be rescued. But Matthew, at the very beginning of his telling of the good news about Jesus, gives us a little hint to say, this Messiah will not be what you expect. This Messiah will be named Jesus, Joshua. Name him, God is the one who saves, because he himself will save his people from their sins. And who exactly Matthew means by his people, well, that develops as you read through the story. Now, Matthew doesn't tell us this story just so we know how Jesus got his name. He wants to show us how Jesus is the final chapter in a story that has been running for generations upon generations, the story of how God is going to rescue his good creation and put it back to rights, back to how it was intended to be. And so in verse 22 of Matthew chapter 1, Matthew gives us an author's note. He says, you know, everything I've told you so far, all of this took place to fulfill, to fill up, to bring to pass what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. And Matthew quotes the greatest of all the prophets, Isaiah, from chapter 7 of the great scroll of Isaiah. A verse now that we are very familiar with hearing at Christmas, but is just as important for us on Friday, on Good Friday. Here's what Isaiah says, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means, Matthew you know, interprets the Hebrew for the Greek-speaking audience, which means God with us. Now, while what Isaiah wrote back then was talking about his own son, whose birth served as a sign, well, Matthew, reading the Old Testament like a good Jew, knows the pattern is set. If a young woman found pregnant but with no natural explanation for the pregnancy bears a son, that is a sign that God is with his people. Emmanuel. Not so much a name uh, as, as much a title, a descriptor. Jesus himself is God with us. And as we read the rest of Matthew's telling of Jesus' story, we find this Messiah Jesus figure uh, exceeding, breaking, defying our expectations if we were expecting a Messiah in the classic sense. This Messiah heals, he forgives, he rescues, he saves, he speaks in riddles and his words pierce to our very souls. When all would expect a purifying fire, of personality. He invites children to him, welcomes them onto his lap, entertaining them with stories and enveloping them in love. When the legal authorities would expect an exacting law keeper, a righteous one, he shows remarkable ease with the law, fulfilling the spirit of the law instead of over-applying the letter of the law. When all would expect to see from him condemnation of outright sin, he shocks everyone by forgiving flagrant sin, 
while just as boldly condemning the cold, prideful self-righteousness of the so-called sinless. And when everyone expected a conquering king, we instead watch in horror as he gives his life as a ransom for many. As he tells us, you actually win by losing. It turns out that his people, who we now understand to encompass the entirety of the world, not just the Jewish people, it, it turns out his people need rescuing, yes, but they need rescuing from themselves even more. They need forgiveness. And so on that Friday afternoon, Jesus gave his life as a ransom, as a payment, as a substitute, trading his life for ours, taking our defeat and giving us his victory, taking our sin and giving us his obedience. But it didn't feel victorious on Friday afternoon. I mean, Jesus was dead. There was no hope. There was no victory. Until Sunday morning. When the light of Sunday morning dawned and the resurrection glory cast its own illuminating shadow backwards onto Friday, it transformed the suffering of Jesus on that Friday afternoon into something that we could look back on and call good. Because by his resurrection, we were not just forgiven, but rescued, not just rescued, but brought back to life, not just brought back to life, but given a new kind of life, a life in the grand adventure of being with God as he sets this whole world and ourselves back to rights. And this one that Matthew introduces to us as Emmanuel, which means... God with us, tells us at the very end of the story, now go, and I will be with you. I will be with you always to the very end of the age. Father, in the darkness of a Friday afternoon and a Friday evening, a Saturday in which we do not know that you are working and cannot see that the power of death is being defeated and overthrown, that we cannot feel that our own death is being conquered by your work on the cross and in the grave, we need to hear the promise that Jesus will be with us always to the end of the age, as we walk through our own valleys and our own shadows of lethargy and betrayal and rejection. Help us look to the one who walked this road before us and find in his steps the way of life and peace. Amen.